Good morning, City Hill. Great to see all your smiling faces this morning. I loved Pastor Jay's sermon last week. Jay gave us a talk on the freedom of forgiveness, the freedom to let go. And I was going a different direction this morning, but I felt the Lord say that he wasn't done with that message last week. That God had more for us, that there was a greater application of that truth to us this morning. So we're going with forgiveness part two this morning, okay? And uh, what I did have in plan, plan for this morning was in the area of community. And basically what I want to say is next week is our life group launch. And I really want to encourage you to pray, to seriously consider about being part of a life group this year. We say here at City Hill that there's what does it mean to be a part of the church? Well, we, we like to say W plus 2. Be a part of the worship service Sunday morning. Find a life group and find a place to serve. Those are the basic things of being a part of a church body, being a part of this church body. And I'd really encourage you to be a part of one of these life groups that we're going to be launching next week. Say, well, when, which ones are available? This afternoon... An email will be going out that will be laying out that information. If by chance that doesn't get to you, contact our office tomorrow morning and we'll, we want all of you to get that advance notice so that next week you're ready for our life groups. So let's pray as we get rolling. Jesus, I pray, Father, I pray that this morning we would experience a real, tangible, mighty move of your Spirit. God, you've put things in my heart this morning that I pray would be able to be extended to each person here. Father, I pray that chains would be broken, that prison doors would be opened, and that, Father, the weights that, come in, that came into the service would not go out. That, Father, there would be a dumping of weights of chains of things that bind us, God, because we've met with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to give a quick review of a couple of things that Jay said last week about forgiveness. Forgiveness is not letting the guilty person off the hook. You know, someone does something and we say, I can't let go of that. I can't let them go by without and we can finish those sentences. But really, it's moving the guilty person from your hook to God's hook. It's saying, God, I'm trusting you with this person. Father, it's not my job to be the enforcer. It's not my job to enforce justice. I am trusting you with this person. Trusting God and his justice. So it's not just letting the person off the hook. And number two, it's not denying the hurt or becoming a doormat. Sometimes we hold on to our unforgiveness as a weapon. We hold on to it because we say, I don't want to be hurt that way again. Once a victim, twice a fool, right? So, boy, it's not going to happen a second time. I've learned and I'm going to make sure. And we hold on to old stories we hold on to old hurts. We hold on to things as a way of protecting our soul. 
told this story once before, but I remember at 14 years old hearing my grandmother. She, was, she had fallen one night, and she laid on the floor all night because my grandfather's bedroom was in a different part of the house, and I thought that was normal. And so when she fell, he, she called all night. He's pretty much deaf, and he never showed up all night long until he came down for his morning coffee, and she laid on that cold floor. And she was mad. I mean, she was mad. Like, and so we came out. They lived out in Annandale. We went out there to go see them. And she told us what a horrible man this husband of hers was. And how she had cried. As he was, he was a smoker and he was going lower and lower and lower over behind the table. I'm watching all this at 14, and she's going, you're ne- you're, you weren't there, and I laid all night, and you stayed up in your bed, and you let me, and I'm thinking, the guy's asleep. I mean, I have a rule. If you're asleep, I don't think you're guilty for your sins while you're sleeping. I haven't read that anywhere, but it just makes sense to me. If you're asleep, you know? And the guy was asleep, but she kept pounding him, and he was going lower and lower, and finally she pulled out the old big, the big gun. She said, you're never there for me when I need you. Where were you when Wally was born? And I thought, Wally? Uncle Wally? 63-year-old Uncle Wally? She's bringing up something from when he was born. And, you know, he wasn't there when when Wally was born. It was a horrible thing. And she held that for just this key moment. When she could bring it out, at that point, he was under the table. Literally, he was like... So far down, because how could he defend himself from that sin 63 years ago? I remember looking at that saying, I will never be like that. By God's grace, I am not going to be one of those people that holds on to bitterness and anger for something way back there. Don't be like that. Raise your hand and say, I'm not going to be like that. God bless me. These are Sunday school teachers. These are people in the Lord but people that held on to bitterness, and I go, don't be like that. It's not denying the hurt. And actually, forgiveness gives you power. It's not denying power. It gives you power. I want to tell you how it gives you power. If someone hurts you today, it hurts. Let's say, okay, take me. Someone slaps me across the face. That hurts. But you know what? That sting will be gone in an hour, maybe. Depends on how hard you slap me. But let's say that really offends me and I hold that in my heart. That can affect me for decades. Can't believe you do that. You call you, and I let that fester in my heart. And the second hurt, as much as that slap may have been painful, that second hurt is incredibly damaging to my soul, to my walk with God, to my relationships, much more than the pain or the embarrassment at the moment. And the first one you may not have any defense against. But the second one is in your power to forgive. Forgiveness gives you power to be free. It's an amazing gift. And God has freedom. One of my great passions for you is freedom. God has freedom Real freedom for you. We are not victims in the Lord. And when I say that, I can hear people saying, yeah, but what about that? I'm sorry. 
In Christ, you are not a victim. Yes, people do things that hurt you. Yes, people have done things that damage your soul. I realize that. I am not being unkind to that. But I'm telling you that in Christ, there's victory and there is freedom. And forgiveness is one of the key things that set us free. Number three, forgiveness is not natural. It does not come naturally. I want to say it again. It does not come naturally. You know, revenge is natural. You slap me, I slap you. It's natural. Revenge. Demanding justice is natural. Somebody did something, they need to pay. You hurt me, you should be hurt as well. It's payback time. That's natural. Harboring resentment and bitterness is natural. It's natural to protect ourselves. It's natural. Let me just tell you this really clearly. This is kind of an extra bonus on today's sermon. Because something's natural does by no means make it good or right. I'll say that again. Just because it's natural does not mean it's right. There's a lot of natural things that are not right. I'll give you some examples. Running around naked is natural. You were born naked. It's natural, right? But I, for one, am glad you wore in clothes this morning. It's natural, but it's not good. Natural may be unrestrained sexual conduct. People say, well, I'm just natural. I just, you know, whoever... I go, that's natural in some aspects, but it's not good. It's not right. It's damaging those who would be unrestrained in their sexual conduct. Natural is venting your anger. Why'd you hit him? I was mad. Well, I get that. But just because you're mad, just because you're hurt, just because does not give a right for you to be violent. You know, natural is driving as fast as you can. How many of you want to drive faster than the speed limit? That speed limit bugs me sometimes. It's inappropriate at certain places. I go, there's no way that's a 55 mile an hour. And just try this with the cop next time you're driving 85 and a 55. And the guy says, ah, you're going pretty fast today. And you say, well, you know, it's, what are you going so fast for? Well, you know, it, I felt like it. You know, it's natural, dude. I mean, this is too slow here, and it's not going to go well, is it? It's natural, but it's not right. Natural is being selfish. When I say that, natural is being selfish, but God calls us to a higher way of living. And Galatians 5.24 just nails this so well. I'm going to put this in the Kent Norell version of the Bible. It says, uh, Galatians 5.24, those who belong to Christ. How many of you belong to Christ this morning? Let's just take that sentence. You belong to Christ. It's not just that Christ belongs to you, but you belong to Christ. That means you are under his direction. You're under his authority. You're under his lordship. We belong to Christ. Therefore, we're under his direction. 
And what have we done? Those who belong to Christ have crucified. Now that word crucified we understand as Christ dying on the cross. But here it's speaking of we have crucified. And that word crucified means to kill, to crush, to destroy, to put to death. We've crucified, and they're going to change this a little bit, the natural flesh with its natural passions and its natural desires. See, those natural things, the passions and desires of the flesh are natural, but they are not God's way for us because we are under his lordship. We belong to Christ. See, God calls each one of us to be filled with his spirit, not to a natural way of thinking, but to a supernatural way of living. God calls you to a supernatural way of living. That doesn't mean you're floating around each day. You still drive a car. You still got to eat, right? But there is a supernatural way of living that God calls us to. I want to say, but I'm not saying that we no longer wrestle with the flesh. I wish I could say that. I... I know Janet talks about a, in her background, they talked about a dying to the flesh so that it no longer existed ever again in your life. I always, you know, they have, they have wonderful church, wonderful people in the Lord, but I, I kind of tried to study it and I could not grasp it and I still don't. That we get to a point where there is no more flesh in our lives and we no longer struggle with it. Jesus was tempted in every way, like you and I, without sin. It doesn't say he got to a point where he no longer was tempted. There were temptations for Jesus while he was here on earth, yet without sin. And so that struggle exists in our lives, but God calls us and gives us victory over our flesh. Anybody say hallelujah? That we don't have to live according to the flesh. And I want to say I don't think that means ignore the temptation. I don't think it means ignore the pain. I believe that we are to face these things head on. Look at them as they are, as black as they are, as difficult as they are. Look at them head on. Do not deny they exist. Don't even suppress them in the sense of saying, I'm not feeling that, I'm not feeling that, I'm not tempted there. I don't think that's the answer. I think in the power of the Holy Spirit, we can look at the things that tempt us, that we struggle with. We can look at them head on and say, yes, I'm tempted that way. But in the power of the Holy Spirit, by the grace of God, I choose to follow Jesus. I choose to open my heart before God and say, God, this is killing me. This is struggle in my life. I want to, and there may be a sinful way of fulfilling, not a sinful way of fulfilling the sentence, but sins. I'll give you an example. I pastored in California many years ago. I was a pastor among 20 pastors in a megachurch. And part of my job was administration. And I had this great idea of bringing all the pastors together to better coordinate the administration of a church. Young buck on board, trying to bring this together. And so I invite everybody to a breakfast. 
on a Monday morning, but Sunday I was really, really sick, like really sick. And Monday morning I woke up totally well, praise the Lord, and went to work at 9 o'clock in the morning and forgot my own breakfast. Really impressive to all these other guys. So they all showed up, and I didn't show up for my breakfast that I called. Oh, no, yes. And I opened my agenda at 9 o'clock, happy to be well Monday morning, opened that agenda and looked down and had a heart attack. And I started pounding on my desk, going, no, no. I mean, I wanted the date to change. I wanted the earth to swallow. It was a bad moment in my life. And honestly, I, I, I thought, what do I do? What do I do? And what I wanted to do, I wanted to lie. I really wanted to lie to these guys because I didn't want to look as stupid as I really was. And I thought, I'll, I'll make up this excuse. I want to somehow cover my error. And I felt the Lord say, not a chance. You need to call each one of these guys one by one and tell them you forgot your own breakfast and ask them to forgive you. And I thought, well, better, faster than slow. I just got on the phone, painfully called each one of these guys. Felt horrible. They were gracious. They were like, well, yeah, breakfast was fine. I kind of wonder why you didn't show up, you know. And, you know, God bless you, bro. And, yeah, it's okay. I do stupid things, too. And, you know, it's amazing. The result of that was I, we became, a lot of these guys became really good friends of mine. I think they felt sorry for me or something. Um, or maybe, I don't know what the deal was, but I, I go back to that. There are things in our life where we say to the Lord, Lord, my flesh is screaming out for this. I don't, in my flesh, I don't want to. Lord, I'm, I'm desiring something that is not of you. And you bring it to the Lord. You don't just stomp on it or hide it. You take it and say, Lord, this is ugly and this is in me. Lord, this is where I'm at. And then like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, he has that beautiful sentence where he says, nevertheless, say nevertheless. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done in me. Where you take the temptation, the fleshly desire, and you say, God, this isn't pretty. And I don't want anybody to know this. And I'm struggling with this, but God, I bring it to you, and I choose your lordship in my life over that area, over my selfishness, over my lust, over my pride. Nevertheless, not my will, not my desires, but yours, God. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, No temptation, as in zero, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man, but God is faithful. Not that you have the strength in your own flesh, but God is faithful. Say that with me. God is faithful. But God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he'll also provide the way of escape so you may be able to endure it. I believe this is supernatural living. I believe it's supernatural not to live naturally according to the flesh, 
but by the power of the Spirit, by Jesus' help. I spoke this morning. Brian brought it home. Lord, I need you. May that be a prayer in your heart every day. Lord, I need you. Lord, my flesh is screaming, Lord, I need you. And God, I just say this morning, we need you. We are so frail, God, and I pray, God, that we would experience the liberating power of the Holy Spirit to heal relationships, to give us victory over sin. God, we can't do it without you. We just say this morning, we need you. We need you, Lord. And nowhere is supernatural living more evident than in becoming an excellent forgiver. And I would like to plant in your heart this morning a passion, a commitment, a desire for you to be an excellent forgiver. I hope you say, Lord, I want to be an excellent forgiver. I want to be really good at forgiving. I'm not good at everything, but Lord, may I be good, really good at being a forgiver. And we've got to face the truth, folks. Relationships are hard. Relationships are hard. People hurt us. They are difficult. People irritate us. Anybody ever been irritated by somebody else? Oh, yeah. Raise both hands. Hallelujah. They irritate us. They disappoint us. They don't come through. Sometimes they seem stupid, even evil. Some people are. I see people, I see kids being mean. I see adults being mean. They can be violent. They can be abusive. Relationships are tough. They're tough to walk in harmony with your spouse, with your kids, with your parents. Relationships are just tough. And then in this world, you've got this me-first society. And I just want to say really clearly, the greatest challenge you'll ever have in life is to establish and maintain deep and meaningful relationships. I believe it's the greatest challenge you'll have this side of heaven. To establish and maintain deep and meaningful relationships. And this society works against you. Society comes at us all day long, but we reject delayed gratification, which is so important. We say it's best to go it alone. You don't need anybody, especially God. You do it your way. You do it independently, and we applaud those who do it on their own. Self-made men, people who are independent, and we say, wow, what a person. But that's not the life that God calls us to. And in this world, we call forgiveness weakness. We call forgiveness weakness, and I, I think it's far from that. It takes great strength to truly face a hurt and forgive. And as a result of what our society is going through, we have destruction in our, our marriages, our families, our friendships, our relationships, and we just go serial jobs and serial relationships. And we just keep moving on because relationships are tough. Billy Graham says a good marriage consists of two good forgivers. I like that. Not a relationship without hurt, but 
but are two good forgivers. And you know, this morning, rather than just teaching on forgiveness, I want you to hear some stories from some of us. I've got some people here that I want to come forward and give their stories. And I want to tell you that while they give their stories, I want you to realize that this is spiritual warfare. You say, well, how is a story spiritual warfare? Well, Revelations 12, 11 tells us they conquered him. They beat the enemy. How'd they do it? Number one, the blood of the lamb. They recognized that they were forgiven by Jesus Christ. And when Satan says, you're guilty, you say, yes, I am. And Jesus Christ has set me free. Jesus Christ paid the price and Satan goes, Ugh! and then the word of their testimony. And number three, they loved not their lives, even unto death. They were all in. They were all in in their walk with Christ. Halfway Christianity falls short. And so this morning, I want you to hear some testimonies of people who have been set free through forgiveness. Karina, come on up. Karina Kittak, married to Matthias, works with our Hive ministry, and she has a story to tell us this morning. Sorry, can... Good morning, everybody. Some of you know me, some of you don't. If you don't know me, I'm sure you'll get to know me. Um, for those who don't know me, I have a little accent. That's because I'm not originally from U.S. I grew up in Riga, Latvia. If you don't know where that is, look at the map. <laughs> um, anyways, when, when I was about, let's see, six or seven years old, um, my, I have a, I've never met my real dad. When I was two, my mom actually married my stepdad. And later, there's happened a lot of tragedies, and my stepdad was very abusive. He, I would never know when I come home, I would not, not know if he was a good man or a bad man. It was really hard to guess. So before I would come home, I would always pray, okay, Lord, help me to, hopefully today is a good day. And he was abusive physically and emotionally because I was not his daughter and I had two other siblings. And he would say, oh, you know, you, no wonder your dad. And my real dad, he actually, um, he went in a war and he never came back. So I was told maybe he's dead, maybe he's not. So I've never actually met him. And so my stepdad would always say when he was drunk, emotionally abusive, he would, would say, you know, it's probably a good thing your father might be dead because look at you, you're nothing. Or he would say, you know, you're just so ugly and different things that are stupid, you would never go anywhere in life. But um, I think the hard part was when he was physically abusive, you know, he would um, hit me with a metal thing or slap me for stupid things if I forget to turn on the light or say something. Um, but um, eventually my parents lost their rights and I grew up in an orphanage. And um, when, sorry, <laughs> when, um, when I was 15 or four, oh, four, 15, yes, um, my adoptions papers were finishing up, and I was actually coming to U.S. And he came up to me, my stepdad, and he said, you know, I am so sorry for all the hurt and all the stuff I told you. And 
you know, at the time, I didn't want anything to do with him. But when he asked me that forgiveness, I was like, you know, good luck, I forgive you. And you know what else helped is that I, when my stepdad was 15, actually, no, he was um, 13, he lost his father, and his stepdad abused him. And knowing that history helped me to forgive him. And, and honestly, now as a grown-up woman, I realized at the time I might have not realized how much that forgiveness from me to him meant because honestly, when he asked me that, I was like, you know, good luck, I forgive you. Kind of get out of my sight. <laughs> but, um, but now I have a great relationship with him, even though I live in a different country. Because when I forgive him, it freed myself. And it freed him to for his life. Because honestly, I didn't believe. Because when he came up to me and he said, I want to be a new man. And I'm like, really? for all the things you've done, but I didn't tell him that. That's what I thought in my thoughts, but I took the, and it's not an easy thing to forgive people who have hurt you and people who have left wounds that you can see them, but the most important thing is to be raw with God and say, you know, Lord, this sucks, <laughs> but you are greater than that, and you know my heart, and you know that person better than I do because everybody has hurts. We all carry hurts. They're visible. They not not be visible. But God is only one who can heal them, who can take them away, and who can do miracles. And anyways, um, yes, I just wanted to say because I did that forgiveness now, my relationship with my stepdad is great. He's a great um, grandpa to my brother who is still in Latvia. He, like, does, he's been sober for 12 years, and because of that leap of faith, uh, I have gotten healing for myself as well. Mm. And knowing that God is my father, and he helped me to forgive, that I at the time thought was not forgivable. So, anyway, so Beautiful. I just want to encourage you to take that leap of faith. So. Amen. Thank you. Thanks. You know, forgiveness sets us free. And in some situations, it also allows freedom for the other person. Her extending of forgiveness to her stepfather was an open door that brought freedom and healing in his life. And to see that is a beautiful thing. Matthew 18, 18 says, What you bind on earth is bound in heaven, what you loose on earth is also loosed in heaven. And there's a power in being able to forgive someone, even though she was, it's been a process for her. It's a beautiful thing that God has done in that situation. Thanks so much. Um, Dan Crawl, come on up. Dan's been an elder, one of our leaders in church for many years, and he had a story he wants to share with us this morning. Morning. Um, I had a person who was in my life that had some negative effects on some of our children. And um, 
and it hurt deeply in our family, and um, I held negative feelings for years. And, but my observation during those years was this person led, led a normal life. Um, no idea, you know, and I, but I was the one avoiding this person and continuing with the negative thoughts. And then one day, <laughs> I was gonna say that I encountered the Lord, but that's not what happened, he encountered me. And, um, and he showed me that it was my life that was poisoned by unforgiveness and that it was me who was suffering. It wasn't the other person, it was me. And that um, what I learned from the Lord that day was that forgiveness isn't for the other person. Forgiveness is for me. I need to forgive in order to walk free. And um, I've seen many people in my life harbor unforgiveness that has turned to bitterness and taken them down dark paths that are hard to get out of. But um, my word to you, I have a couple things. The Lord gave me a verse before I came up here, which I'll share in a moment, but you have to forgive others, not for their sake, but for your sake. You need to do this for you, for your life. And um, two things. One is Cindy and I were together this morning and we were seeking the Lord and the Lord, the, the word that the Lord gave me is forgiveness is a key to life with God. If you want to have a life with God, and most of us raised our hands this morning when Jesus, when Kent said, who's walking with Jesus? Forgiveness is a key to that life. It's an absolute key. And the verse that the Lord gave me um, sitting out here, Psalm 24, verse 7, lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors. And in this instance, those ancient doors are the doors of unforgiveness, that the king of glory may come in. And that when we don't forgive, those ancient doors are just what they say they are. They're ancient doors that hold us back. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Dan. You spoke of poison, Dan, that unforgiveness, I've heard, is the poison that you drink trying to hurt somebody else. And that we, one of the things that can help motivate us is realizing how much damage we do to our own soul when we hold on to bitterness. Uh, Candace, come on up. Candace Troutwine wrote me a beautiful story this week, and I thought it'd be best to have her share it with us. So let's welcome Candace. Very cool. Thank you, and I appreciate the like just the opportunity to share this because it was something that really made an impact on my life and it's something that I tend to look back at a lot just as a memorial or a, just a reassurance of what God can do when I'm wondering how in the world he's going to affect change. So my story's from a few years back and I actually had a falling out with a friend. I was offended by something she did and she was offended by the way I replied. We almost immediately stopped communicating 
And even with our mutual friends, we would hang out separately. We wouldn't talk anymore. And it, kind of, it just went on that way. And she was a really good friend. Um, she had helped me pick out my wedding dress. I mean, it was, this, it was the serious stuff like that. So it was brutal. Um, so I was incredibly hurt and frustrated and angry and offended. And as soon as I would think about this situation, my blood pressure would rise. And like this emotional, like I would just, you know, my emotions would rise. And it was just tough because it took me a bit. You know, I was younger and not nearly as mature as I am now. Um, but I realized I couldn't force her to apologize. And I'm also much like a big fixer, and I couldn't fix this in the way that I wanted to fix it. So, um, so essentially, every time this situation would come to my mind, I would intentionally ask Jesus just for his peace to surround me and to really ask or teach me how to forgive. And I'm not going to lie, it was not an overnight solution. Every time this would resurface, I would pray. And eventually, um, like I went through a lot of anger, a lot of tears, but eventually one day I realized that when I thought about this person, I wasn't feeling anger and frustration anymore. I was just really feeling a sadness over an important friendship that I had lost. And um, like I said, I look back at this as a teaching moment um, because God really allowed me to be aware of the transformation that he put into my life. It was, it was like I had a firsthand experience with Romans 12 too. Um, I was like, God had renewed and transformed my mind. When I was in the middle of it, I didn't know how in the world I was ever going to see anything different. And then to be able to look back and just have a reassurance that God will transform my mind. And I've used that, um, that as an example with people when I'm trying to encourage them. And it's so cool how God takes these things that happen to us and truly uses them to, you know, make me into the woman that he wants me to be. So even though it's something bad, it can turn into something good. Um, and I'm also really thankful that God is a God of restoration. So my friend and I didn't talk and or see each other for two years. And then one day out of the blue, after being reminded of me, she reached out to see if we'd like to meet for dinner. And I was so thankful to have a possibility of reconciliation. But it was really a nerve-wracking wait until that dinner. Um, it's funny how doubts creep in. And I was wondering, as soon as I see her, is, is it going to come back? Have I really forgiven her? Um, and I'm glad to report that when we got together, um, I knew that God had truly transformed me because I just felt this overwhelming joy that our, rec that our relationship had been reconciled. It was kind of funny. Um, in preparation for this, I was looking back at our emails, and the um, subject of our email was reunion of the century. So um, we were maybe a little overdramatic about it, but um, <laughs> I'm just so thankful for God just helping both of us forgive. He really opened the door for reconciliation and restored our friendship. And today, Denise is, again, one of my best friends. And it's kind of cool. Um, in the last couple of months, she's actually started coming to City Hill Church. So she's sitting in the back corner, and you can validate any, any of the um, <laughs> details with her after service, I guess. So you want to point her out? We'll so Denise is in the back corner, looking all innocent. <laughs> just joking. <laughs> but it's just, I'm so thankful that God is a God of restoration. And like I said, he just used this experience to speak some truth into my life that wouldn't have been able to happen any other way. Thanks. Amen. See, forgiveness does not automatically mean reconciliation. Sometimes it does not. But it opens the door for reconciliation. It opens the door for the possibility 
for friendships to be restored and healed. It means so much to us. So what a great story, Candace. Thanks for sharing that. Um, I want to bring it home tonight. We're going to, we'll skip that video back. I want to bring it home this morning because I grew, I've grown up in the church and I've always heard, forgive. And sometimes it's just a matter of just forgiving and you can do it. But sometimes I get stuck. Sometimes I've wanted to forgive and just not known how to move past the pain. I want to give you some principles very quickly here. Some things that I've found to be principles of walking out the forgiveness process. And I want to say that word process. For some people it may be an event, but for many of us it becomes a process. The first step is you decide you actually make a decision, I'm going to forgive. Because if you don't, you're not going to get there. It doesn't happen naturally. So you say, I'm going to forgive. You make that decision. It's what Dan said, a determination to be free. A determination to be healed. It's a decision, I'm going to forgive. And then secondly, I'd say you ask God for help and say, and I can't do it on my own. God, you've got to help me here. You've got to help me because this goes against what's inside of me. You cry out to the Lord for help. And let me just tell you, when you cry out to the Lord to help forgive somebody, let me tell you, he's there for you. He is not going to be hidden. When you say you want to forgive and walk according to his word, walk according to his commandments, let me tell you, he's there to help you. You ask God for help. And here's the missing piece. You express your hurt. I never heard that before, but I really believe it's a key point for many people. There is a place to express your hurt, and you read in Ephesians 4.26, be angry and don't sin. What a great verse. Be angry and don't sin. So the anger in itself is not sin. But how you express it can easily be sinful. So the question is, be angry. You have this anger. You've been hurt. You've been misused. You've been abused. What do you do with that? Well, I want to tell you, find a non-sinful way to express it. You may get creative and think of some way I've never thought of, but there are non-sinful ways to express the anger. Some people need to find a punching bag. So I went to a pastor's home one time and there were holes in all of his doors. <laughs> Made me wonder. <laughs> but maybe that was a destructive but not so sinful way of him dealing with, I don't know. For me, it's helped to write. It's helped me to say, I'm just going to take a piece of paper and I'm going to write whatever in my heart, good, bad, and ugly. I'm going to put it on a piece of paper. Sometimes it's pretty ugly. And I put it on there, but I want to tell you, when I'm doing it, I realize no one on this earth besides me and God will ever see this. This is not a letter I'm going to send, because that would be sinful. But I express, I think God knows what's in my heart, right? God knows. He's not surprised. I'm the one surprised, going, man, that really, whoever wrote that is not very well. Not yet. Oof. He needs counseling. You better see a pastor, you know. Um, and I think we need to express it, put it out there. And I like paper. 
because then I can take it. And I've done this before in my life where I've taken it and I say, Lord, this is really ugly. And the next step is repent. Repent for harboring anger and bitterness. Not just being angry, but harboring and letting roots of bitterness go down into your soul. That's not the way that God has designed us to live. And I've had things go into my soul that were not of God. And I've had to repent before God and say, forgive me for hating someone. Forgive me for harboring bitterness against your word. Forgive me, Lord. He's so gracious. He's so gracious to forgive us when we come to him. So that would be step four. And number five, let it go. Forgiveness, the freedom to let go. That's why I like paper, because it burns. And I like to burn things. And I like to say, Lord Jesus, I give this to you. And you watch it go, and you know, then you say, wait, I want that back. But it's gone. And something, I like doing things physically. I like to somehow represent it. Instead of just doing it quietly without speaking, I think you've got to speak it out, shout it out. Say it out, burn it. Grab your chest and go, Lord, I give it to you. I do something where you are giving it over to God. Let it go. I believe we've got to speak these things out. I would not say do this just in quietness inside your head. Go get into some deep woods somewhere. Go get somewhere in your, maybe in your car or your house where you're alone. And you're saying, Lord, I forgive. And you name the person. You say, I forgive them for, and tell the Lord what they did. Lord, I forgive them, and I no longer hold this against them in Jesus' name. And I want to tell you, when I've walked through that process, I have felt a deliverance. I don't know if it was a, I don't know where the demons are, but they aren't far away when you're holding bitterness. And when you give that over to God, there is a freedom. There is a life. The abundant life that God has for us. And then number six, I would say you bless. And that, something the Lord showed me just through his scriptures, bless those who persecute you, bless and curse not. And I thought, I really thought, like, like Dan was saying, I was thinking I was for them. They need to be blessed, so I'm going to bless them. Well, they do need to be blessed, but it was more for me. Because I dare you to really bless somebody that you hate. Good luck doing that long term. There's just some dichotomy that when you have said, I forgive them, and then you begin to speak and say, Lord, I bless, you name them. I bless them in Jesus' name. I've shared this once before. I forgave a guy. I'll call him Sam. And my, forgive, my blessing was, my first time was like, Lord, bless him. <laughs> you know, I was like, that was pretty bad. <laughs> Truly sincere. It was sincerely bad, but it's like, I went, okay, let's try that again. Lord, Lord, bless him. Dear Jesus, bless him. Oh, God, bless this man. He's confused. He's hurting people. Jesus. And I began to pray and weep. Pray the blessing of God over his life. And I don't know if God ever blessed I, I pray God blessed him. But there was something that broke in my soul, and I found freedom. And I think that freedom is available to all of us. And I repeat again, it's a process. You can forgive today, and you can sit tomorrow, something comes up, uh, and all of a sudden you feel it stir. Praise God, Candace had that freedom when she saw her friend. 
She wasn't sure what would happen. Sometimes something happens and that you can feel some of that again. I said, Lord, I bless them. I've forgiven them. And I continue to go back to them. And you know, if you do enough praying and blessing for somebody, Satan's going to find a different way to attack you. By that, I mean, he's always going to be looking for ways to attack, but he's going to go, that way is not working very well. Because every time I bring that up, he just keeps worshiping the Lord and praying blessing upon him. And we win. We overcome Satan by the word of our testimony. And as we learn to be forgiven, and you know, the scripture says, if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will my Father who is in heaven forgive you your trespasses. You want the fear of God to drop into your heart. How many of you want God to not forgive your trespasses? I read that, I thought, all right, I'm going to be a great forgiver. I need forgiveness from God. And I don't want anything blocking being right with my Father. Worship team, come on up. I realize I'm going over a few minutes, but I'm, I want to do that. Can I do that this morning? I want to bring this home. I want you to put your books or your Bibles aside. I just felt the Lord say, let's minister this this morning. And I don't in any means, by any desire, want to minimize the incredible pain that some of you have gone through. What Karina shared, the pain and the depth of that is horrible. No one should ever be abused. No one should ever be hurt like that. But just your little statement of, I forgive you. I believe something broke in the spirit world. Something broke that brought freedom in you and freedom to him. Something that simple because forgiveness is that powerful. And thanks for being vulnerable today. So I'd like us to close our eyes before the Lord in a spirit of prayer. I want to challenge you, if there is a person, if you got a list of 20, just choose one. I'd like you just to take that, and I want for a moment, if you're thinking of that situation, you may not want to start with the biggest one in your life. You might want to just start practice with something smaller. I don't know. God will put it in your heart. But I want you to put that hurt in your hands and clench your fist. I want you to clench it tight. Even though it hurts a little bit something that you are holding on to, that injustice, that anger, that debt. And I'm going to pray. Just pray along quietly with me in your seat. He says, Father, I recognize that I am holding on to this hurt from just quietly you can fulfill that. Father, I am holding on to that hurt. I'm holding on to that abuse. I'm holding on to that offense for that mistreatment. And God, I pray that you would forgive me. Although I'm the one who's been hurt, I've also, I'm also guilty by holding on to the bitterness and the hurt and the hatred revenge 
slander. Jesus, I ask your forgiveness. I thank you that you have forgiven me such a great debt. And God, I do pray that you would also forgive me for holding on to this unforgiveness. And dear Jesus, I want to be free. God, I'm so tired of being enchained and imprisoned and bitter and sad and sleepless. And God, I, by your grace, I'm determined to be a great forgiver. God, teach me your ways, Lord God. God, I want to be free. Take this poison out of my heart in Jesus' name. So God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, just release your hands. Release them. Just open them up in your lap. If you want to raise them up to the Lord, feel free. Just release. God, I let go of my anger, my bitterness. I let go in Jesus' name. Thank you, God, that your shoulders are broad. Thank you, God, that you are the just God. You are the righteous God. You are the strong God. And I can release these things to you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. And so in Jesus' name, I forgive. In Jesus' name, I forgive. You can fill in the blank, the names. In Jesus' name, I forgive. I let go. Just breathe deep of the healing of Jesus, of the freedom that Jesus brings. I let go in Jesus' name. And God, I, in the same breath, Lord, I receive your healing. Oh God, I I receive your healing and your freedom. I receive the ability to breathe deep again to laugh and to smile, God. I receive that in Jesus' name. Just breathe deep of the freedom of God. Thank you, Jesus. And Father, I want to take the next step and bless that person. God, I do not hold my their sin against me as you do not hold my sin against you. So Father, I bless that person. I bless that church. I bless that family member. God, I speak blessing in Jesus' name, not cursing. Father, I bless God because, God, I so dearly want to be free, and I leave this in your hands. I trust you with it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. God, thank you for the freedom that you're bringing me today. God, help me to walk through the process if these things need a deeper work or come back, God. Thank you, God, that you are faithful to help us we set our hearts to forgive. In 
Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's be a church of fantastic forgivers. Let's just be known as those guys are really good at forgiving. And let's revel in the freedom and the life that comes as we walk in the wholeness of the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys today. Five quick things as we end. Number one, there's a book on freedom.